Greetings, everyone. We are excited to welcome you back to season three of London Tokyo Podcast. With this season, we'll try our best to introduce some of our partnerships. The first episode features National Geographic Society and the photo camp program that took place in Mongolia in 2019. From Lantong Dohyo, we are Gesser and Nomi. Welcome to Lantong Dohyo Podcast. Welcome everyone. Uh, we are excited to be back uh, starting our uh, season three for the Tantum Daho podcast. And for the very first season, we inviting our friends from National Geographic Society to talk about the photo camp program that we did back in 2019. Like it's been two years already almost. So we have uh, three guests, Caitlin, Sarah, and Will. Uh, Will is the program manager of the storytelling project. Sarah, she's the senior archivist, right? And Caitlin, she's the chief storytelling officer at the National Geographic Society. And I will just let you guys to introduce yourself and what you do at the NetGeo and why NetGeo. It's not like nobody wants to work there. I can start if that's helpful. Sure. Sure. So my name is Will Thompson. I'm the program manager of storytelling programs at the National Society. Uh, so for PhotoCamp in specific, that means I get to collaborate with Caitlin and our team from everything from like the big picture, including where and when and with who we're going to do our photo camps, all the way down to the tiny details, like making sure our 20 students have lunch or can get on the bus okay. Um, yeah, so why National Geographic? Um, Nat Geo is a really special company and, and really special brand for me. Um, I had the magazine I, uh, and read it like religiously every month. And I also was constantly parked in front of uh, the Nat Geo channel when other kids were off like watching sports. Um, yeah, I was always just really into nature and wildlife when I was a kid. And, uh, and so it's just a really important brand for me. And, um, when I was looking around at places to work, I always had a list of two or three dream organizations that I always really wanted to, to work for. And, uh, I'm not going to name the other ones, but, um, Nat Geo was at the very top of that list. So I just kept trying and applying and eventually my experience clicked well with an open position. Uh, and then when I started working at Nat Geo and meeting a lot of my colleagues, I realized that my story is really not unique. It's been a brand and a company that has meant, meant a lot to a lot of people over the years. So it's been really wonderful to, to work there and to get to be a part of that. Yeah, great. Uh, what about Sarah? Um, hi, well, I'm Sarah Manco, and I'm the Senior Photo Archivist at National Geographic Society, which means I get to look after all of the old photographs in the archive, so spanning all of the, you know, 130 years of magazine assignment photography and grant work and all the amazing uh, photography that's come in and out of the doors of National Geographic over the years, I get to look after that stuff, so it's a pretty cool job to have. And for PhotoCamp in particular, I get to go on PhotoCamps and work as the technical director 
So I make sure that the computers are running the way they need to, that the files are staying organized, that all the students get the copies of the photographs at the end of each workshop, um, and just make sure that everything is sort of running on the tracks um, smoothly. Uh, and then when photo camp is over, I then take the, the work that's been done and, and make sure that it goes into the archive and is archived properly so that we also have a record of photo camps. Um, so why National Geographic? Well, for me, I definitely had the dream of being a photographer at one point in my life. And when I told my dad that, he handed me a, a, an issue of National Geographic magazine and said, okay, you want to be a photographer? Well, study up, start, start taking pictures like this. And uh, throughout the years, I fostered my love of photography, but then I also started to combine that with a love of history. And I ended up in the archives and, and library science field. And so National Geographic was sort of a perfect fit of my interest with storytelling, journalism, and photography, and history, and archives, and all of that. So National Geographic has kind of really been the perfect place for me. That sounds awesome. What about Caitlin? So uh, my name is Caitlin Yarnall, and I am the Chief Storytelling Officer at National Geographic Society. And um, that means that on the nonprofit side of the house, I get the, the incredible pleasure of building and overlooking our storytelling programs, of which PhotoCamp is one of them. Um, I also spend a lot of time uh, finding um, storytelling talent, so our photographers, writers, filmmakers um, that we give grants to and our fellowships. We also do a lot of training and capacity building, so there's a great portfolio to manage and I have an amazing team. Um, why National Geographic? I've been at National Geographic for over 15 years, so I can't, um, to some extent, imagine my life without National Geographic. It's been a journey. I actually started um, as a cartographer, so I started making maps. And you know, when you decide you want to be a cartographer, there aren't that really many job options. And National Geographic was, <laughs> you know, top of the list for me. And um, I actually you know, was hired to work on an atlas, and then I ended up staying, and, and it's been a, a great place to build a career and to morph into different jobs, and um, PhotoCamp really is one of the projects that I love most because occasionally it lets me get out into the field still, and so this camp we did together in Mongolia was actually one of the only photo camps I was able to go to in the last few years, so I feel really fortunate in that sense. Yeah, well, we were lucky to have you there too. I think that was a really good uh, segue to uh, tell what is a photocamp program. I don't think we explained it to our listeners. So um, what is a photocamp program? What's so special about it? I'll start first and then maybe Will and Sarah can um, set the record straight or add to what I'm saying. Um, photocamp is, is a signature program we have at National Geographic. We've been doing it since 2003. And it's core, it's about um, teaching photography and storytelling to young people. So we, we work mainly with underserved youth around the world, usually around 20 at a time, um, and pair them with several of our National Geographic photographers. And we help them um, learn to tell stories through photography um, about their own communities and their own lives and their own country in this moment of time. And so it's really about uh, building capacity within these young people and you know, if they learn to be great photographers, great. If, but what I always wanna see is that we make them more empathetic citizens, humans, and that they mm -hmm. really realize that stories matter, their own stories matter, and those of their you know, fellow, fellow 
photo campers and, you know, humans matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know, Will, Sarah, if there's anything you you would add to that. The only thing that I would add is that I feel like on every photo camp that we're on, we really get back as much as we give from the students because Mm -hmm. their lives and they share their experiences and their thoughts with us. And a lot of times they have access to really critical stories that we could never get. Um, And a lot of times we will actually take their photos and put them on social media or we'll do exhibitions in their, in the students' communities or, um, you know, even back here in DC, we've done exhibitions of the students' photos uh, that have reached thousands of people and they share their really unique stories with us and with the world. So I, I really feel like we get back as much as we put in. I'd agree with that too. I think there's a lot of work that goes into putting on a photo camp, but there's a lot of really great rewards that come out of it too on the, on the other side for students and for staff. And I definitely learned a lot um, from every single camp that I've been on. And I also seem to see a sense of confidence grow in all of, most of the students that I've encountered on most of the photo camps. And it, it's really nice to be able to see that how photography can be a way to empower these students that they, their stories matter and that, that they're, you know, them taking up space in this world matters. Great. So um, even though our listeners is mainly Mongolian speakers, but I want to tell the story how Caitlin and Will, everybody at the Net Geo Society was so open about the idea to bring in the photo camp to Mongolia, because as you know, I happened to work at the Net Geo's uh, General Council and I saw the photo camp contract and I approached to Will and he was so kind to set up time with Caitlin. And I remember th- thinking that I really have to sell the story when I met you, Caitlin. But when I just walked in, told my idea, you were just, yeah, great, let's do it. And so if anybody is listening, I think, I know it's a COVID time, but like in the future, I'm sure you guys would be like open to any ideas to bring this photo camp to different countries, right? Yeah, I think, I think um, you didn't have to sell very hard, Nomi, because you were part of the family. <laughs> And I think part of it is we've never done a photo camp in Mongolia or, or in that part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, also, you know, what, what makes a photo camp successful is we have to have an on-the-ground partner that really is plugged into the lives of youth, and you brought us that. I think, um, you know, we, we are always looking for ideas, but <laughs> a little caveat, within reason, within our limited resources. <laughs> That's good. Well, it's a good thing that you had that resource to bring the photo camp to UB Ulaanbaatar and I know like you said the one of the main reasons that you accepted my offer really easy is because we had our nonprofit organization in Mongolia doing the hard work and we had all those volunteers that who's really excited and energetic to learn the photography and tell the storytelling of how of rural to urban migration is happening in Mongolia, especially in the capital city, and how it, it leads to possible human trafficking and child abuse cases. So I really appreciate that. So now my next question is, I want to ask about your experience of our photo camp. And compared to other photo camps, what was different? Maybe it's not really a fair question, but like, what were the biggest experiences or anything that resonates most with you? I think it was one of the rainiest photo camps we ever did. 
<laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, I can just start by saying I really think one of the strengths of the photo camp program is that um, it's very adaptable and each one mm -hmm. is and <clears throat> no photo camp is, you know, less or more important than than the other. And we've done them in diverse communities all over the world. Um, and uh, yes, I, I um, as to how it compares with other photo camps, I mean, it really was its own unique story of uh, both rural to urban migration happening in and around UB, and then also uh, the work that uh, Lentem Dohaya is doing mm -hmm. and how important that is. And I remember we probably spent a lot of time in traffic jam too, like stuck in our bus, listening to all those youngsters, uh, new music. That was, that's one experience that I remember. Yeah, I would say that, you know, similar to what Will said, all the photo camps are, are, are of course, distinctly different. It's hard to have any mm -hmm. experience on the ground with, you know, um, youth in a location and, and it not be different around the world. But I think the similarities are always there. And you, you made me think of it, Nomi, of like, we get great insight into the lives of young people, mm -hmm. right? Like, and, and whether it's hours spent in a traffic jam on a bus and we listen to music that they're, that they're listening to and what card games they're playing, or it's, you know, seeing the eyes through their photography. It, it's such an interesting insight um, in terms of, you know, what what they're up to and what they like and what they want and i think the more photo camps we do the more we see that you know while it might look different at first glance they're not they're mm -hmm. you know young people are young people around the world yeah i'm sorry that was the second half of my statement was that you know for every camp that we do it really is this opportunity for the young people to tell their own unique stories but the empowerment that they receive through that i think is yeah, is um always there and yeah. i think photo camp that we have as well um all the students start as strangers and then mm -hmm. go through what we call the photo camp magic and they leave as best friends with their fellow students and they leave with a really powerful mentorship or mentor relationship with um with the instructors that's true sarah do you have any uh, vivid memories of photo camp in ub uh, i think the bus is a pretty solid memory for sure <laughs> caravanning around in the rain with the buses for you know a few hours at a time through the Mongolian traffic that was a you know a fun adventure yeah you know, I did say I, that there were some um some yak riding involved though which oh yes there was probably the a photo camp first <laughs> I was gonna bring up the <laughs> yeah the yak riding and the uh the donning of the was it was it the yak fur coats and hats oh yeah shortly after yeah well it's really well, I guess it's a podcast. We cannot show the listeners our uh, pictures, but we really did have <laughs> such an awesome time at that. Uh, was it at, like a tourist uh, expedition place? I I don't remember what it, it's exactly called, but I also remember Will and I trying to get cash from ATM. <laughs> that was a fun time. Yep. For about five minutes in my life, uh, I was a millionaire because of the exchange rate. Yep. Well, the little background story is um, the credit cards that we had or will had didn't really work at certain places. So we had to go to ATM and just withdraw a lot of cash. So that's 
that was an interesting experience. But let's go back. Uh, you did. We all went to uh, Magic Mongolia Center one, right? The one that was in Bayanhoshu district area where we had our child protection and child development center. And when I told you the story about how we started it from scratch and all that whole complex was actually built by um, grassroots approach. People gave like maybe 5,000 to a grave or $1 or $10,000 or something. But when you got there, uh, what was your um, expression of those centers? We didn't have any students or kids there, but like I hope you guys were able to like see what the Lantondo does on the ground. I think we there were um, some young kids there actually, and we were able to see the work that you do firsthand. Um, mm -hmm. you know, my first impression was that uh, it was done really well, and it really was this this. Uh, really this this really protected place um in the middle of the Gur district which i think was incredibly important for the students there i think for me i'd agree with will that it felt like a, a place a sense of calm and refuge mm -hmm. you know, and i think that came through to me uh and i know we couldn't photograph the 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 young people for obvious reasons but it just really did seem like such a positive um safe space yeah, because we drove around different parts of the UB city, like most of the time outskirts area. So we had that uh, experience going to one of the main uh, black markets that where we asked uh, our students to go to different places, follow somebody and get their uh, life story. And then also we went back to the Magic Mongolia Center one and it was still in the outskirt area. So you can see how Mongolian like Gerd districts are um, positioned and the situation from the like outside foreigners eye was it something that strike to you or is it like I think you guys already have really good experience traveling to different countries so I guess it, it wasn't that shocking but that's one of the thing I wanted to ask like what were, were your thoughts when you were like traveling through that uh, Gerd district and the children's running around? I think one of the things that struck me was really the contrast between the Magic Mongolia Center and outside of the center's walls. And mm -hmm. it really did feel like a safe space for the children to learn and just be children. And it was really a really powerful experience, I think for me, um, to go through the Gur district and um, yes, like I've been in developing communities before and mm -hmm. some of the issues and problems that are common to developing communities were apparent in the Gur district. And I remember you and I talked to Nomi and uh, we talked about other issues that were particularly threatening to children, like uh, really, really rampant rates of alcoholism, uh, mm -hmm. really rampant rates of child abuse, uh, really, um, you know, the constant looming threat, too, of um, of kidnapping and child abduction, which is you know, just unimaginable. And, um, you know, everybody that we met in the Gur District was really fabulous and friendly. But, uh, you know, I, I think some of those issues were apparent sometimes. We, mm -hmm. uh, But to go inside the walls of the Magic Mongolia Center was really like this just an oasis of safety for the students.
and I think it was just, it was beautifully done as well. Um, like the playgrounds were you know, really great and everything was clean and everyone was happy. And I think that, um, you know, that reflected in, in the faces of the children that we saw as well. You know, they were just running around screaming and playing and just being kids. Yeah. Well, that's great to hear from you guys. And I know, um, let's we can change our subject because it's probably not really the most um uh what's the right word i'm trying to say it's it's a topic that not many people wants to like really discuss but i was so happy that the national geographic team was able to come in and really teach our volunteer students how to take photography and and learn the storytelling and that way those volunteers will be able to go back to magic mongolia center and then um tell story of the magic mongolia center and the kids in that environment or maybe surrounding that neighborhood so again i should probably say thank you for going to mongolia and teaching those 20 young teenagers have to take pictures but i have to ask that we had the great um, instructors of our photographers, Ronan and Evgenia. How do you like pick on the photographers, the instructors, who's going to go to different photo camp locations? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. So we always want to pull from photographers that we work with closely. So these are people who are our grantees or our fellows. Um, mm -hmm. Ronan and um, Evgenia are both fellows. Um, and we also want to really choose photographers who have a passion and love for teaching and for young people. Mm -hmm. There's some amazing photographers who, you know, don't want to spend their time uh, teaching to, to youth. Um, and so we try to pick people there. We also, for every camp, try to think about what are the subjects we want the, that the students will be covering. Mm -hmm. Do the photographers have expertise in that? What part of the world are we in? You know, I don't, think any of us had been to Mongolia before, but, um, you know, Evgenia being Russian, she definitely had some um, cultural connection there that she could sense and feel. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and Ronan had that like wildlife photography experience that he probably had some interest going to Mongolia for sure. Absolutely. And I think we always also try to think of the pair of photographers and how they, how they'll play off each other, you mm. know, as Evgenia is much more focused on um, human stories and Ronan much more on, um, on wildlife and nature and conservation stories. It's good to, we always wanna make sure that students have, you know, a, a mentor, a role model that, that lines up with their needs. And so having diversity in, you know, men and women and subjects that mm -hmm. they're interested in, it just gives more opportunities there. Yeah, that's great. Well, I know, after photo camp, you, well, you didn't have that much time to travel around Mongolia, but you did have some time to get out the city and experience uh, the real Mongolia. So what was your experience of those um, outside the big UV city? I'm going back as soon as I can. <laughs> You're going back as soon as I can. I agree. <laughs> it's such a beautiful country. And culture and everybody we met was just so welcoming and wonderful um and just in, in terms of natural beauty like you can't be in Mongolia 
Yeah, because Sarah was uh, out there for like two or three days without any signals or. Where yeah, did I, was, you go? I was totally off the grid. <laughs> um, I was just in the national park that was right next to UB. So not mm -hmm. actually that far away from the city, really. It was a few hours drive. Um, but it was completely off the grid. I lost cell servers entirely. Um, but it was beautiful. It was, I, you know, I went hiking and there was a river nearby and they had a sauna gear set up at the camp that I went to. So I got mm -hmm. to do like the, it's like the Swedish style, you know, go, go in the heated sauna and then go jump in the river and then go back into the sauna, jump in the river. And uh, just everybody, the food, the people that I encountered, everything was just lovely and wonderful and beautiful and um, peaceful in a lot of ways too. And it was sort of nice to see that, that kind of beautiful open landscape you know, in contrast to the, the crowded city that, that Ulan Batar is. And it was nice to see the other, kind of the other side of the country that's not, you know, so, you know, crowded, I guess. <laughs> well, Caitlin, you, you went to Mongolia before you before the camp, right? No, I'd never been to Mongolia. Before. Oh, you've never been there. Okay. Somehow I thought you visited. Okay. Well, yeah. I guess you guys but, have but, to go back. <laughs> but Will and Sarah know this, and especially Will does, like it was always, you know, on the, on the bucket list and dream place I want to go. And I, I wish I could say this satisfied that desire. It just really like made me want to go back even more because, um, you know, even just the, the limited amount of time we had out of the city made me... Mm -hmm made me one a month there. So um, I, you know, I've been fortunate to go to many, many places, but, but had never, never checked that box. And, you know, I don't think you ever fully check a box with a place, right? Especially a place like Mongolia. It's somewhere that deserves more time. Yeah. Well, great. So maybe we can do a like, master class in Mongolia. It's like after the, this COVID situation gets settled. Yeah, it's a lot of hours better. on an airplane from here. <laughs> Not so great in COVID times. Yeah, but if you can get there, Mongolia has a zero uh, community spreading. So life is normal once you cross that border. Well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah. I also really love UB. Um, we, I think we went to, it was the Museum of the Bogcom as well. Mm hmm we went to the uh, National Museum in Mongolia and, you know, both were just such an incredible view into the history and culture of the country. Um, and I just thought the downtown UB had a, had a really fun vibe as well. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well, uh, I know we can probably discuss more about other things that happened during our photo camp, but uh, we can and our conversation here, unless, Gisser, you have any more question? Um, uh, first of all, thank you very much for taking the time. I know Nomi led the discussion. I just had a, just an interesting thought uh, when I was reading your biographies, a position called storytelling officer. It just made me think a bit, you know, philosophically. Storytelling is something that, you know, you would assume that anybody can do, and yet it's something you learn and constantly uh, develop so that it's like a professional and you become so good at it. So someday you become chief as chief storytelling officer, right? And um, I, was, I was just wondering from your perspective, what would be the definition of storytelling and uh, what's the photography's role in it? 
Well, um, I think we need another hour to unpack, <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, I think that, you know, what you said about uh, we all, you know, we all try to do storytelling. I, I think we all do it, right? We are, um, I, I would claim that I think storytelling is one of the things that makes us human. Um, our ability to to recount history and tell it forward and to, um, you know, captivate other people by telling stories. And if you think about, you know, a good joke or something that, you know, puts little children to sleep or um, a ca even like a captivating advertisement or commercial, it's all storytelling. And it's, um, you know, even in much older cultures than, than the one that, you know, I live in now, storytelling has been a part of it. And um, so I think it's something innate to us as people, but I think you're right that people can get better at it and learn the craft of it. And it depends what you want to do with it. You know, some people use it to sell products. Some people use it to communicate strategically. Um, you know, journalists use it. I think it's um, much more of a like, how do, how do you want to tell stories and for who and why? And so for me, it comes down to purpose and audience. And I don't know if I'd say I'm a master storyteller to elevate into my role. I think what I, I do, uh, what I do now is how important the discipline is and that it's a, it's a, there is some science to it, but it's a lot of art and a lot of practice. And I'm just feel so lucky to be able to work with some of the world's best storytellers and among them photographers. I think, um, you know, to your photography question, while photography is a relatively new pursuit, uh, visual storytelling has always been um, part of our ability to tell stories as modern humans. So, and, and some would argue, you know, some other hominids. You look at early cave art by humans and now increasingly we think by Neanderthals, um, they, they weren't just symbols, they were, they were narratives. They were, you know, images of hunts and prey and um, predators. And it, it, it's a visual storytelling. I also think, you know, at our core, we're, we're visual mammals. We have large eyes in our, in our brain and it's because our brains process um, imagery so much faster than words. And I realize the irony of, of saying this during a podcast recording, but I think photography is the, the modern version of that. You know, a still photo can convey so much information and meaning and, and can harken back to, to shared cultural and historic points of reference and can evoke, you know, a lot in, in just a split second. And I think we could all probably sit here and name photographs that are seared into our memory. It's, it's, it's what Sarah does, you know, in caring for our archives. But I think it's, it's just crucial to who we are as people and our ability to, to talk about our lives and, and, and what things mean to us. And that was a long answer, but for a very complex question. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, my last question would be, what would be your advice to someone who wants to become a storyteller? Well, I would give this a piece of advice to anyone who wants to get good at any craft, really, is um, first of all, find stories or, or storytellers or pieces of the, the, the craft that you love, right? Whether it's a photographer or a writer or podcast and really, really spend time with the things you love and think about why. Why do you like it? 
dissect it, really become analytical about what do you like? Do you like the light? Do you like their use of characters? Do you like um, the tone? What do you like about it? And start doing that with really different things. And I think you will um, start to develop your own voice and style and sense of what you like and what you don't like. Um, so I think that's important of really just, you know, immersing yourself in exceptional pieces of storytelling. I think the other thing to do is practice. Practice. So, so regardless of the medium, put yourself out there. Try, try. And I would say, seek out people who, who are better than you and ask them for help. Ask them for help. Ask them for review. And um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, stick with it because it's not something that um, most people master quickly. Thank you. Okay. Well, that was really great questions. I usually our podcast is 40 minutes, so we can probably end it here. Unless do you want to tell something about like National Geographic Society or Photocamp itself? Because you can use this podcast as more like, uh, well, Na National Geographic does need a promotion, but like, as something official. I would just say that if, if anyone's interested in learning more about Photocamp or supporting Photocamp, um, we Photocamp runs like many programs at the Society, which is a nonprofit off the generous donations of, you know, foundations and corporations and individual donors. If anyone's interested in learning more about it or contributing, please, please um, go to natgeo.org. Um, and, and there's a lot more information about Photocamp and, and some really uh, clear links on how you can get involved or help. That's great. Yeah. And this is one of the amazing projects that I really saw how the teenagers change and how they get empowered, like even within like five days. So it is a worthwhile cause to support. Thanks, Nomi. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Dear listeners, Lantun Duho team has been working tirelessly to organize our very first virtual 5K, United Against Violence. Please run with us wherever you can to bring awareness and raise funding to protect innocent children, our future. All proceeds will benefit the Magic Mongolia Child Protection and Development Center. For more information and registration, visit lantunduho.org 5K. today's episode, we had a pleasure speaking with Caitlin Yernal, Will Thompson, and Sarah Manko from National Geographic Society. From Lantondohyo, we were Gesser and Nomi. Thank you, and have a great day. Mm -hmm.